This is one of Deep State Radio's briefs and debriefs. Hello, this is David Rothkopf. Welcome to another of Deep State Radio's one-on-one conversations with experts. In the wake of Brazil's shocking election result of Jair Bolsonaro to be its next president, we thought it would be useful to talk to one of the leading experts in that country, Emmy Shio, a Latin American equity strategist at J.P. Morgan. Uh, good afternoon, Emmy. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to talk to you. It's a bit of a shocking result for people outside of Brazil. I can only imagine what it feels like inside Brazil. Um, but I but I do note that although Bolsonaro uh, has made many people uncomfortable with his extremely harsh rhetoric uh, and his fondness for the bad old days of Brazilian politics, the days of the generals, the days... Of, of of real repression of the left uh, and with some of his really, really ugly comments about particular groups ranging from women to gay people, the markets seem to have responded somewhat positively to him. And so I guess the first question is, you know, this is a little bit what happened here in the United States with Trump. He was very, very uh, ugly in his campaign. Uh, he's He's been quite ugly as a president as well. But you know, the markets have been willing to be, you know, patient with him so long as he threw them a little bit of what they wanted. And so, the, you know, they, they essentially, um, you know, got bought off with tax cuts and so on and so forth. Um, and I wonder, is are we going to see a replay of that in Brazil? Uh, I think so, uh, because we have what we have in Brazil right now is a change of direction. It's been four presidential terms that were under the same party. Uh, we have never really seen this lately happening. The last I can think is, is the supremacy of the PRI in Mexico. So after pretty much four terms of the PT in power, we have a change of direction, which is a more market-friendly one vis-a-vis the liberal economic policy. So markets, they were uh, reaffirmed the moment that Bolsonaro has appointed uh, a liberal economist to be his finance minister, and this happened many, many months ago. And the second uh, part is that yesterday in his uh, speech, he talked a lot about macro in not a populist way. He basically said, I am going to address the economic problems of the country, which entail a smaller state, uh, reforms, especially vis-a-vis social security, and getting the country to grow again. Because what I think a lot of people miss is that Brazil somewhat is still in a recession. Uh, there was a GDP contraction of 7% between 2015 and 16. This was the largest ever contraction, more than in the Great Depression. And since then, we grew up only 2%. So we are still owning 5% to go back to 2014 levels. So we need really a change in economic direction. And I think that this is what we are going to have with this new administration. This is why I think the market is taking a more pragmatic view about this election and not unsimilar really to what happened in the U.S. Well, um, you know, markets are famous for 
being good um, uh, sort of analysts of some things in a society, but not everything. And markets are notorious for not having consciences. And so as we've seen in the United States, the market goes up and it goes up and it goes up. And the president attacks Mexicans. The president attacks Muslims. The president uses anti-Semitic code words. The president um, uh, uh, undermines the rule of law. The president is a bit corrupt um, or more than a bit corrupt. Uh, now, that's the U.S. story. I don't know that that's going to be repeated there, but certainly some people are worried about that, um, you know, in in uh, who are observers with Brazil that, that you know, that perhaps you know, the, the, that there is a price. And if, if if the markets get what they want and growth is, you know, a little bit better and Brazil is coming out of a recession, uh, then civil liberties will pay a price. Now, what is interesting to me is that the issue of um, the question of moral values, which are so important in the U.S., like, for example, abortion and so on, they were never a topic in Brazil. This is really the first time uh, that we saw this being brought up. And I think that these are important. But I also think that there are institutions in Brazil that have been working very much to protect this, um, this kind of civil liberties. So, yes, uh, we do have a president that has a much more, quote-unquote, conservative approach uh, to those civil liberties, perhaps, but in no moment he said that he is not in favor of freedom, which indeed it was uh, in his speech last night. So basically saying uh, everybody is free to choose their religion, everybody is choose to, work, to do whatever they want. I am going to abide by the rule of law, I'm going to abide by the Constitution, and I'm going to abide by democracy. So really, from my point of view, I think what uh, the foreign press got very hung on was on the few remarks, which are always the same quotes that we see over the past several months uh, floating around in the press that are repeated over and over, and fail to look that this election, at the end of the day, was a referendum uh, on whether people wanted to continue on the PT or not. So it's not that Brazilians, they gave a, 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 a blank check to Bolsonaro. Basically, they said, we are trusting you, uh, maybe we don't really like you, but we need to change. Um, and there is a level of acceptance today that is a little bit higher than one would have expected, uh, considering the question that what was the option on the other side. So I think there are, again, two aspects. One, that there is an exaggeration on the characterization of Bolsonaro and the lack of civil liberties, and maybe that this is a threat to democracy and a menace to the region, like uh, many of the press has been uh, portraying. And second, that he doesn't have a blank check, that there are institutions, and that many of the almost 50 million people who voted for him, uh, they want to have a guarantee of the constitutional and the rule of law and so on, because it's not that they voted for him because they really loved him. It's just an anti-PT uh, option that they had. So I'm not too worried about uh, these aspects, to be honest with you. Um, well, 
You know, you bring up an interesting point following four terms of of, of the PT. I remember when the PT first came in, um, and there were many people in Brazil um, uh, who were uh, optimistic. Uh, Lula brought with him a lot of optimism. He had some substantial successes. Uh, and yet, if you look back now on those four terms, what you see is corruption, failure, backlash, more corruption. Uh, how much of Bolsonaro's election do we lay at the doorstep of Lula and the PT? How much are they responsible for this apparent backlash? I think it's a huge responsibility. And not only about the backlash, but recall that we had the um, car wash investigation, which has been going on for four years now in Brazil. Um, There were top executives that were put in jail, many, many very famous politicians in jail, including Lula. So people basically uh, said, I don't want corruption and I don't want the PT anymore. And the result was, along with other parts of the world, a shift to the extremes. It was really a battle of the extremes where we had on one hand the PT and on the other a far-right candidate, which we never had in Brazil for the last 50 years, anyone that could consider even right, much less a far right. So Bolsonaro is indeed a product of this backlash uh, of the PT that we had, especially in the later years. Well, you know, when some people look at Bolsonaro and they say, well, he's hard right, uh, nationalist, populist, he's like Trump, or he's part of a global trend that we've seen in in other countries around the world. And now, you know, the, the very same day that he wins, Merkel announces that she's stepping down and there's concern that the far right is going to gain a, a political leadership role in Germany. Um, the, the question becomes, you know, to what extent is this part of a global trend? And as you're a Latin America analyst, to what extent is this election significant to what might happen in other countries in the region? Uh, difficult to say, because I think that really the question of the anti-corruption and the four terms of the PT, they have crystallized this sentiment that rose Bolsonaro. I think it was very particular. What was not particular was the use of social media and how he was smart, very, very smart in terms of going about his campaign, which was perhaps the cheapest campaign in the world, and that attracted millions and millions of followers. So this, I think, was uh, the difference um, and what could be like a global trend in terms of social media playing a very, very important role. But look at Mexico, who just the past July, uh, for the first time ever, elected a leftist administration. Um, In Argentina, next year, we have another election where Macri, who is center-right or right, uh, I don't like this connotation very much, uh, is... uh, you know, facing a very strong economic crisis. And he, this, uh, his, the presidency might go back uh, to the Peronist after all. Um, in Peru, PPK was impeached. Uh, there are questions of whether this is going to go more to the right, more to the left in the years to come. In Colombia, also this year, there was an election of someone from the center-right. So I think that there is really not a particular very strong trend. 
in Latin America. But on the other side, um, it's interesting to mention uh, the idea I had now is that Venezuela is always a topic for everyone. So the, Venezuela has been having a very important weight on how people think about politics and the choices they have in the region. So here in Brazil, we heard repeatedly, do you want to become Venezuela? Vote for the PT. This was like a very strong motto. And I think that the crisis we are seeing happening there is indeed having an important influence on political direction on the region. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. You, you may not I don't know the last time you were in the United States, but, you know, during this election campaign, one of the favored uh, slogans of Donald Trump is the Democrats want to make America like Venezuela. And uh, today, Donald Trump uh, tweeted out, which is essentially what he does as president. He tweets um, and he tweeted out that he had a conversation with Bolsonaro and it was really very good. For Venezuela, this is kind of a big deal, right? Because the, Trump and those around Trump, they hate Venezuela. Um, and Venezuela is in a deep crisis. And to some extent, Venezuela gained some cover and some support from the PT governments, uh, even if they were critical one way or another of Chavez. They, were, they, were, they made it possible. The two big powers in the region are, are are now poised to collaborate in some ways. And I would just wonder, you know, maybe maybe Trump and Bolsonaro put the squeeze on the Venezuelans and, uh, 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 you know, in, in the years ahead. How likely do you think that is? It's very difficult to think about that, but definitely uh, president-elected Bolsonaro, he said that he's going to shift completely uh, how Brazil uh, is positioned in terms of foreign affairs and also trade relations. So there are some statistics that show that Brazil is uh, even closer economy than North Korea, if you imagine. Um, so the idea we have pretty much no trade agreements with anyone, and the idea of Bolsonaro is really opening up the economy and have better relations and much much closer relations with developed countries that can have uh, an exchange of R&D, research, development, technology, and so on. So I think there is indeed a shift. Uh, Bolsonaro came on TV later yesterday to say to say particularly that he received a call from President Trump. Uh, he wouldn't do, you know, he had already gave his speech. It was the third time he was coming on TV, and it was very clear to say this uh, about the Trump call. So I do think that there is a shift. But from there to say that, you know, there is a pot on Venezuela somewhere is more difficult for me to think about. Yeah, well, it may be difficult to think of on several levels. Another really interesting relationship um, from the U.S. perspective, but also from the regional perspective, has been the growing and deepening relationship between Brazil and China in terms of investment, in terms of trade. How do you think a Bolsonaro presidency might affect that relationship? 
so that I, I am uh, I, it's, I'm a bit worrying. I don't know to what extent it's possible to be worried or not. But for example, one very simple thing. So the Chinese over the past few years, they bought a lot of utility concessions in Brazil, uh, utility companies, and Bolsonaro, he already expressed his discomfort uh, about that, that this is a strategic issue, has to do with our, you know, uh, even like from a security perspective, and that he doesn't feel very comfortable about that. Having said that, in terms of trade, uh, Brazil is super important for China and vice versa. So China is our number one uh, destination for Brazilian exports. We do have uh, a trade surplus, if I'm not mistaken, with China. Maybe this is starting to reverse. But uh, we are critical for China in terms of soy, in terms of iron ore, and other commodities. So it's a, it's a very thin line uh, to walk. And with this whole talk of opening up, I don't think that we are – I think actually we are going on the – opposite direction uh, in terms of U.S.-China relations. Um, let me ask you one last question. We try to keep these conversations to about 20 minutes, but let me ask you one last question. One, one of the stories that has been dominant in Brazil since uh, the decline and fall, fall of Dilma through this election has been corruption. Uh, and it's been an almost unbelievable story in the sense that uh, one person after another becomes accused of corruption, is found guilty of corruption, and even the people who were doing the investigation were found guilty of corruption. Now, Bolsonaro has said a lot of terrible things about a lot of groups. He's got a lot of people worried um, about his impact on civil liberties and democracy and so forth. But one of the areas that I think people were drawn to him uh, was the fact that he seemed not to be corrupt, but he's also not terribly experienced. And we have seen in the U.S. and we have seen in other places around the world, when you bring in a new administration and, and they don't have a lot of experience, sometimes the people who get drawn into that end up bringing their own baggage. Um, um, in, in the U.S. case, of course, we have Donald Trump, who was corrupt, who brought in a lot of other corrupt people. But, 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 but in the case of, of Bolsonaro... Um, you know, is the establishment, the political establishment in Brazil so fundamentally corrupt that he won't be able to escape this for long? Or can he actually make a difference? Mm -hmm. So I think Bolsonaro can make a difference there. It's important to mention that 50% of Congress was renewed. So a lot of like the old oligarchs and the oligarchy families that dominated Congress for a very long time, today they have no political seat anywhere, not even at the state levels. So I think that the issue of corruption was important not only at the presidential level, which helped to to establish Bolsonaro as the new president, as we have discussed, but also at the state level, at the congressional level, and so on. So it's inevitable that at some point Bolsonaro is going to be faced with uh, corruption issues coming from, you know, around him somewhere. But he's going to have to give an answer to this. Uh, I think that one very important issue that we saw on past administrations is that there was, uh, they were reticent when confronted with corruption. And this is not an attitude that the Brazilian population rewarded when they went to the ballot box uh, in the first round 
October 7 and also yesterday again. So I think Bolsonaro, I mean, at least I'm hopeful, let's say, that Bolsonaro can at least make a difference on that front. At least he starts with a clean slate uh, because all the schemes, they need to be redone from scratch, considering there is a change, total change from direction, from administration, from parties in charge. So it's going to take at least some time. Well, we will watch with interest. Clearly, there are many perspectives on this. Clearly, the world is on edge a bit about it. Uh, And that's why I think we're so lucky here at Deep State Radio to have had the chance to have a conversation with one of the smartest people I know, Emmy Shio of J.P. Morgan, who is a Latin America analyst. Um, And uh, you should follow her work. Uh, And we will probably check back in with her in the months ahead as we watch uh, Yair Bolsonaro's administration take shape. Thank you very much, Emmy. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.